Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. All right, let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank God we could be changed from glory to glory. Have you come to be changed this morning? Have you come to be challenged this morning? Then you won't be disappointed when you leave. Praise God, if you mean that from your heart. We're talking about living to please God. Uh, real quick, just going to give you a, an update. If you haven't been with us, uh, a few things to share with you as far as a review is concerned. Every single one of us should desire to please God, to live our life to please God. The scriptures there for you, I'm not going to get into it this morning. We've already talked about the scriptures, but they're listed there for you if you'd like to do a personal study. Uh, secondly, it's up to us to find out what pleases God. It's up to us. And how do we do that? Thirdly, we go to the Word of God. Because in the Word of God, we find out how we please Him. He tells us certain things. As a matter of fact, number one, we talked about without faith. It's impossible to please God. So what do we have to do? We have to trust Him. So learn to trust Him in all the situations that we find ourselves in life. Learn to develop intimacy with Him so that we can know what His Word says and know what His promise is so we can learn to trust Him. And He wants us to trust Him. Number two, we talked about being spiritually minded. In other words, don't just think about carnal things, earthly things. We've got to set our mind on things above. So in other words, for example, real quick, if you're walking in unforgiveness and maybe you feel like you don't want to forgive somebody, Get spiritually minded and realize how much you've been forgiven. Then say, you know what? I can forgive you because I've been forgiven a whole lot more than what I need to forgive you for. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Thirdly, your parents are going to love this. Obeying your parents. <laughs> Obey your parents is well-pleasing to God. Colossians 3.20. It's well-pleasing. So you can please your, your heavenly father by holding your parents in high regard and high esteem. I realize it's not always easy because of certain situations. Uh, that people are in where there's been abuse and that sort of thing. But as much as you possibly can, hold people in high esteem. Your parents in high esteem. And then fourthly, doing good deeds and good, doing good works and helping other people. These are sacrifices that are well-pleasing, we are told, in the book of Hebrews, uh, to the Lord. Well-pleasing. And so we want to share what we have and be a blessing to other people. And then uh, number five, obviously keeping our flesh under uh, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 4, it talks about how the flesh needs to be kept under and we need to possess our bodies in sanctification and honor and uh, refrain from like immorality and things like that that are displeasing to God. So we pick it up number 6. Number 6, staying on course. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, uh, in verses 38 and 39, let's see what they say. And my righteous ones, this is from the New Living Translations, will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure... So he doesn't like this. In anyone who turns away. 
In other words, stay on course. We're not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. And we make a decision, in other words, we're going to continue on with God. And we realize it's a marathon. It's not a short distance race. We go a lot. We get, go through a lot in our Christian life and experience, don't we? Stay on course. The enemy wants to get us off course to turn back either to the law or turn back to what? The world. And live by the flesh. Stay on course with God. And I encourage all of us this morning, stay on course with God. Get stronger. Get on fire. Serve God faithfully every single day of your life. And only look forward and forget what's behind you. Press toward that mark for the prize. Okay? And then number six, or number seven, whatever you are. Number seven. Fearing God. Oh, he's pleased when we fear him. Look in the book of Psalms. And what it says here. In Psalm 147, verse 11, the Lord takes pleasure in what? In them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Do we fear the Lord? We're talking about godly, reverential fear for God. Look at Exodus 20, 20, because this godly, reverential fear will impact our lives this way. Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not when his fear is before our faces it does what it stops us from sinning so in other words we have this reverence for god this god the reverential fear and it impacts us in such a way that it motivates us to do what is right in his sight so that we serve him and obey his commandments but look in the book of romans when the fear of god is not before someone's eyes look at the lifestyle that they can enter into as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understand it. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are all there together, become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Uh, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their, tongue, their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Do you see that? When there's no fear of God, people live the way they want to live. We need to get back that we fear God. We have reverence for God. We have respect for God. Yes, He's our Abba Father. He's our Daddy. We can just enter in and just love on Him and fellowship with Him. But not only is He God of, a God of forgiveness, mercy, right, and grace... He's a God of justice and judgment as well. And we don't want to displease Him, do we? No. Now, this is what I want to get to really today, since number eight is so important. Being thankful. It pleases God, you know, when we're thankful. And it sounds so small, so trite. Thank you. Be thankful. But, oh, it's so impacting. It's so involved as well. When thanksgiving comes from the heart of an individual who realizes certain truths, I'm telling you, it blesses God, but it also blesses each and every one of us. So look in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always... Always be thankful. It's a command, really, but we'll get to that. But always be what? Always be thankful. God wants us to develop an attitude of gratitude and always be thankful 
for not only what we have, but also for what he's done for us in this life. Look at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verses 47 and 48. Because you serve not the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore you will serve your enemies, which the Lord shall send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness, and in one of all things, and he shall put a yoke of iron about your neck until you've been destroyed. When we're not serving God joyfully, you see, what happens, the enemy comes along and we're allowed, he's allowed to put a yoke of iron to weigh us down. If you feel oppressed and down and depressed and all that, could it be that there's a yoke of iron there because we're not waking up every morning and just saying, oh, thank you, Lord, for the air that I breathe. Thank you for saving me by your grace. Thank you for delivering me from the powers of darkness. Thank you for healing me in my body. Thank you for the friends that I have. Thank you that your spirit rests upon me in obedience, that I can obey you today, and that I know your will. I know you're my Savior. I know you're my Redeemer. I know my destination. I know where I'm going to spend my eternity. I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It just breaks that yoke of bondage right off your neck. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hey man, now you got a lightness about you. Now you're no longer oppressed because you're thanking God first and foremost for even the small things. The air that you breathe, the bed that you slept in, and the running water in your bathroom. And you know why we need to be so thankful? Because no one makes it on their own. No one makes it on their own. In this life... People have made tremendous contributions in all of our lives, whether we recognize them or not, to help us succeed and become the people that we are. And sometimes we just overlook that and take it for granted. So I listed some things that we could be thankful for as far as people that have impacted our lives or contributed to our success or in our well-being. Now let's start first and foremost with parents. Parents. It's been said, a child will never know how much they owe their parents until they get married and have their own children then they'll go oh you mean someone pays for the car insurance you mean I have to buy the bottles and the, and the diapers and wait a minute this was all handed to me before all this right parents the food the shelter oh yes the clothing you know someone has to pay for that MasterCard that you went out and bought those clothes. <laughs> I think some young people don't realize that you just swipe it and then magically it's just taken care of. But what about the, uh, let's say, funding activities? What about the taxi cab service to all the activities? Have you been down that road? Being at the football games, the, the basketball games, the baseball games, the track and field events, and, and the list goes on and on, and the parents just investing and investing and giving and giving and contrib contributing and contributing and contributing, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Let me think. I have six children. I started when I was 21. I'm 65. Andrew's 16. No, there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing in sight. At this. <laughs> okay, then what about uh, teachers? What about teachers? Are you thankful for those that invested in your life to give you the knowledge that you have to obtain, to achieve this knowledge because they're dedicated to their profession? 
And even though I know it's not easy to go through school and, and, and take tests and all that sort of thing, but aren't you glad you have an education? And aren't you glad that someone was dedicated to help you learn and become a better person for it and, and maybe get a better job and et cetera, et cetera? And then look at the other one. Look about coaches. And if you've been involved in any kind of athletic events and sporting activities and that sort of thing, you've got coaches that help you along the way. They don't just teach you the rules of the game and how to play the game, but they teach you life principles by which you can learn and develop and grow and become a more well-rounded person. They teach you how to be involved with other people and teamwork is important. Yeah, thank God for the skill set, let's say, of a Michael Jordan, but I guarantee you, put him on the floor, one against five, he will lose every game. There are four others that need to be there with him. See, you don't, you don't succeed on your own. No matter how you look at life, because the parents that you brought you into this world, obviously the investments that they made, you would even survive if it wasn't for that. Okay, so now you've got teachers, and now you've got coaches, and now you've got doctors. And what about all the skilled workers that are out there, these doctors and, uh, and nurses and healthcare workers that are there uh, to assist and to help out in many different ways? And I remember when Andrew was born and all that we had to go through, and, and of course when Dante was attacked and all that, and we thank God for uh, those that are dedicated to the medical staff and to help out in any way. When you go to an emergency room, aren't you glad that someone is there to, to greet you and to help you and you know, help you find out what's going on and that sort of thing? Are we really thankful for these people that are so dedicated? Uh, to really helping people that are in need. We need to be thankful for them. And then, of course, spiritual leaders. And I can't even begin to go there. Oh my goodness, when I first came to Christ, I got saved and I found out the truth and I started learning some principles. And I thank God for, for those that were before me, like Kenneth Hagin. I, I started with Kenneth Hagin. I, I then studied under E.W. Kenyon. Then I went off to Bible school at Ramah. And then some others, uh, Kenneth Copeland and some other different ministers that are still out there today. And I just learned these principles and all that. And I look back upon my life and I just say, oh, thank you. Thank you. If it were not for learning how to live by faith, Andrew would not be alive today. My daughter Lisa would not be alive today. Probably, and I could just go on and name all these different things, but because of the principles, my son Jason there wouldn't even be born if it were not for the principles that I learned from these others that have gone on before me. F.F. F. Bosworth studying his books, and I mean, I can go on and name so many different ones, but I'm so thankful that I have learned from these individuals, and they all go back to Christ, don't they? Right. I thank God for that because it's really helped me in so many different ways, but it's also helped me. I pray to be a blessing to other people as well. And then also look at uh, friends that you have that support you, that are there for you. And sometimes just when you're in need, someone's just there to shake your hand, someone there to encourage you, to lift you up. Are you thankful for those people that, you, that call them and they call you on the phone and whatever, but they're there, they're, they're called friends. And thank God there are friends that are out there that we have acquaintance with, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen. Thank God for the friend, Jesus. Amen. And then, of course, you've got your uh, emergency responders. And thank God for these people that are really willing to sacrifice their life. Firefighters, and that's a police force. You know, paramedics and uh, these responders that are there, they get a call. You need to get here right away. Someone is dying or they're having a heart attack or maybe a stroke or whatever's going on. Or someone's choking and et cetera, et cetera. And there they are to respond as quickly as they possibly can to help meet the need. Thank God for that. We've got a lot to be thankful for in our society, don't we? But then also, uh, what about uh, brave men and women that uh, help shape our nation? What about these brave men and women that really help shape our nation? You know, and there's a lot to be said about that. We're going to share with you some things this morning here. But, you know, first of all, last week we honored our veterans. Stand up one more time, if you wouldn't mind. Veterans, stand up. We can never thank you enough. If you're a veteran, stand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. 
for your service and thank you for your willingness to lay down your life so we can enjoy the freedoms that we have and we should never, never, never take it for granted. Can you say amen? amen. None of us should. But then also, as I was doing this study, you know, I was just, I just came across some of these things. I want to share them with you. And when it comes to shaping our nation and becoming the nation that we are, there's so much involved, including a move of God. But I want you to see a move of God that took place in the lives of these individuals that I've named here for you to really bring us to a place where we're at right now in our society. Have you heard of Harriet Tubman? How many of you have not heard of Harriet Tubman? Okay. Now, what's not, what I have here are some things that I pulled out, but I want to share some before I read this. Here's a woman born in slavery. Here's a woman terribly abused by her masters. And in one occasion, this woman uh, just happened to be in the wrong place, I guess, because the slave owner was throwing a heavy metal object at someone else, which happened to hit her in the head and causing tremendous pain for many, many years of her life. Uh, the injury was, was so devastating and so painful. It wasn't until later in life when they came up with some kind of surgical procedure that she had a relief from, from some of the pain. But here, this woman was known as the most famous conductor of the Underground Railroad. She was given the nickname Moses because of her efforts to rescue family and friends from slavery. When she got out, it was on her heart to go back and get other people out. And then God moved upon her heart in a powerful way in order for her to do it and enable her to do it. Now, are you familiar with the safe house, the railroad, underground railroad down here on Tuscarora Road? How many of you are? If you travel down Tuscarora Road and you go past Fuel Land, on the left-hand side, a couple of houses down, there's a white house there. I think it might be for sale right now. That was a safe house. That was an underground railroad safe house where the slaves that were brought up from the south were protected and kept safe there during this particular time. Okay, and, and she was responsible for going in. Listen to some of this. Uh, she was a devout Christian, having a passionate faith in God. She was influenced by the Exodus, Moses bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. And she experienced visions and dreams in which God basically instructed her and showed her how to help people get out of slavery. Well, she was guided, or she was the one, first of all, guided by the Lord, but then she was guided, she got a raid uh, at Com it's Combi Ferry where 700 slaves were brought out of slavery. As now imagine that she is leading this raid. And she was responsible for getting 700 people out. Okay, this is just part of You should just read her, her testimonies. It's incredible to think of just the, the spiritual fortitude and, and just what it took for her to do what she had to do. But I want you to see something here as I read these, that God was moving by His Spirit to abolish slavery in this nation. But He needs people through which to do this. And so we see here at this level, this woman made her contribution. And we should be so thankful for women like this that will stand up and do what is necessary to make change take place in our society. Okay? But it didn't stop there. Here's another woman. How many of you heard of Isabella Bomfrey? Sojourner Truth? So most of you, if not all, most of you have not. She also was born in slavery. And she also escaped in 1826. After she escaped with her infant daughter, she went to a place where she had a life-changing experience and moment, she says. What she did was, 
she found Christ. She was born again. Empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit of God came upon her and basically instructed her to become an itinerant preacher where she went around teaching and preaching on abolishing slavery. How does God ever get anything done? Tell me how he starts getting something done. He starts with the word sown. He speaks the word and then he brings it to pass. So let's say he starts with Tubman. And now during that same particular time, he's moving upon this. Listen, her name, then she changed her name from Isabella Bomfrey to Sojourner Truth. And when I saw that name, it just was striking to me. Sojourner means traveling. Traveling Truth. She called herself, she renamed herself Traveling Truth. She said, the Spirit sent me and he's anointed me. And she went around all these different places uh, in this Midwest area where we live around here. And she's preaching against slavery. And she's preaching abolition of slavery. And listen to this. In 18, in, that was in 1843, she changed her name. She believed God called her to preach about the abolition of slavery. In 1851, at a women's rights convention in Akron, Ohio, not too far down the road, she delivered her Ain't I a Woman speech, which became the most famous abolitionist women's rights speech in American history. So now, and again, we can't get all the details of how she was abused as a slave and so on. But I want you to see that this is a move of God. This is how God works. This is what God is doing. Starts here with Tubman. Continues on through, uh, now she's truth. Thank God that she's traveling truth. And then we come to a man by the name of Abraham Lincoln. Okay, Abraham Lincoln. Even before he becomes the president. Okay, Abraham Lincoln had convictions. Abraham Lincoln believed in the Bible. He believed in the word of God. He believed that all men are created equal. And there were others of the same mindset during that time that we're talking about the 1850s. And I kind of wonder, could it have been the traveling truth that he was receiving and others were receiving that influenced other people to say, we've got to take a stand against slavery. We've got to take a stand against what's going on. Because everyone under God, every person is equal. In the eyes of God. He made all men equal. We've been made from one pool of blood. Not two pools of blood. One pool of blood. And we're all equal. Praise God. As a result of it. And if you get saved. It's by one pool of blood as well. So here's what happened. And these are facts. You can go look them up for yourself. On March 20th. 1854. Some anti-slavery activists. These activists. And sometimes they leave these things out. Were Christians. Who believe that all men are created equal. And these men that believed that got together one day, and here's what they did on March 20th, 1854, they formed the Republican Party, which was founded to abolish slavery. Did you hear that? They formed the Republican Party, one thing on my, in their mind, abolish slavery, Okay. The Democratic Party fought them tooth and nail, tried to maintain and expand slavery. But on January the 1st, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln, because he didn't have the support, signed an executive order that liberated three to four million slaves that month. 
an executive order overriding everything else saying no more slavery. It took two years to get the 13th Amendment, but, but before that, here's the point. It doesn't just happen by one person. We need each other. Tubman became a voice. Truth became a voice. Abraham Lincoln heard the voice, studied the Bible, got the truth. These activists were believers, and they said this is not right. Praise God, we've got to do something about it. They stood up. They spoke up. They came up with this party. They had a, a, an agenda and a mission, and that's to abolish slavery. And the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery passed with 100% Republican support and 23% Democratic support, 1865, January 31st. Notice how it started with 700, and then it got to 100,000. But listen to this. With one signature on an executive order, 3 to 4 million were set free from slavery, and then, with the amendment, every person was set free. Everyone is equal. Let's thank God for all these brave souls that are willing to stand up. Hallelujah. How thankful we should be that the impact that they have made on our society and how life is different now because of their dedication. And of course, we could talk about Jesse Owens. We could talk about Jackie Robinson. We can talk about so many, many more. But there's another woman that just stood out front, and that's Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks. Known as the First Lady of Civil Rights, Mother of Freedom. How many of you know that you can stand while you're sitting? You'll get that in a moment. You can stand while you're sitting. She sat down and said, I'm standing up. I'm not getting up. I'm not moving my seat. I'm staying right where I'm at. I'm in the seat I'm supposed to be in. I'm staying here. And because of her decision, she's arrested that day. She's thrown into jail, has a trial, and she's found guilty of violating the segregation laws. That's what happened. Well, in protest... On the 5th of December of that same year, 35,000 leaflets went out throughout the communities roundabout asking every African American not to ride the bus that following Monday. It was so successful that one day boycott that that evening they got together in Mount Zion Church Hallelujah. with 16 to 18 other individuals and they decided this has got to stop. Segregation on buses has got to stop. They needed a leader. So they got together and said we've got to, ha we've got to have a president, a leader that will help us in this cause. And there was a young man, a Baptist minister who was new to the Montgomery, Alabama area and his name was Reverend president and he headed up and led the boycott a 
called the Montgomery Bus Company. <laughs> so after they elected him, and eventually he became the best known speaker for the civil rights movement, the boycott was the first nonviolent African-American demonstration of contemporary times that lasted 382 days, 13 months. But it was extremely effective because on December the 21st of 1956, the Supreme Court, you see why we got to get a hold of the Supreme Court, declared segregation on buses unconstitutional. But what people, some people don't know is that during the boycott, Reverend King was arrested. And during the boycott, Reverend King had his house bombed. Imagine that. And then suffered personal abuse along the way as well. At age 35, he won the Nobel Peace Prize and gave $54,123. Think about that. Today it's a million. It's 1.4 million. In some cases, even more. He gave it to further the cause of civil rights. Just gave it over. Notice what God has done. Notice what God is doing. And notice the vehicles through which he does things. He raised up these people. He raised up Sister Tubman. He raised up Sister Truth. He raised up Abraham Lincoln. He raised up these activists that said enough is enough. No more. No more slavery. He raised up Rosa Parks. And used her. And then placed Dr. King Jr. In the position that he was in. And then of course what happens? He's assassinated. On uh, April the 4th 1968. You talk about laying down your life for a cause. And giving yourself. We can learn some things from these individuals. And we should be so thankful. That you and I don't have to go through all the things that they have gone through. We can reap the benefits and the rewards of it all. Can you say amen for that? But oh, do we need more men and women like that today. That are willing to rise up and take a stand. And stand for what is right and what is truth. I want you to see something here. Point two is that Jesus didn't do it alone. You know, Jesus was extremely thankful for the support that he got. The help that he got. Because he knew as the son of God, he couldn't get it not alone himself. Matter of fact, remember he said, what I do, I don't really do. It's the father in me. He does the works. Remember he said that? I can't do this by myself. But look at Luke's uh, gospel, chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. This is the New Living Translation. I don't know if you ever saw it like this before, but listen to what it says. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, a traveling itinerant, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Imagine that. He's an itinerant minister. He's traveling around the villages and cities round about. He's being regularly supported by these individuals. Well, is he thankful? Well, look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, and we'll see if he's thankful. Because one day he had need of something else to get the job done. The people were gathered around and thronging him, and he could hardly uh, speak where he was at. So he asked Peter if he could use his boat. And he got him on the boat, had him 
go out a little bit further in, in the water. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's or Peter's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled on all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Notice he let down the net. When Jesus said the nets, plural, he let down the net. You see how we limit God? If he says let down the nets, let down the nets, not the net. Apparently he has a bigger vision than we do, right? Let down the nets. So he, Peter, like, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm going to be somewhat obedient. Well, when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and the, their net broke. Break. And they beckoned unto their partners. We need partners. We need contributors. We need people working together on a, on a, on a project. They beckoned their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Can you imagine if they had many, 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 many more nets? Personally, and I'm, this is only me, okay? This is me. I believe they caught enough fish to fund Peter's walking with Jesus for three and a half years to take care of his family and whoever else's family was there that needed to be cared for for the next three years, three and a half years, funded by one catch of fish. Whew. And there's nothing fishy about that. All right. John. Now, John was there. John caught on to this thing. Hey, I need you and you need me. Hey, we need each other. You can't do it by yourself. Jesus couldn't do it by himself. He needed the Father. He needed laborers. He needed workers. We need each other. Okay, and look at this here in Third John. Third epistle of John. Look what it says, verses 5 through 8. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. For they are traveling for the Lord, just like truth was traveling for the Lord. And they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. So may I say to each and every one of you, I've been behind this pulpit for 38 years. And what God has done in these 38 years is what God has done in these 38 years. But what God has done in this ministry for 38 years could never be accomplished without each and every one of you and others that have come and gone. For the Lord spoke to me prophetically when I first came here and said, some will come and some will stay and some will come and go away. But you stay faithful and do what I've asked you to do and I'll be the one to bless the work. And so this is the work of God. But it takes people like Tubman. It takes people like Truth. It takes people like Lincoln. It takes people like Parks. It takes people like... Dr. King Jr., it takes people working together with the vision that God has given them and then people doing what? Working together, making their contributions in different ways, whether it's financial, whether it's supported through prayer, uh, whether it's getting involved in doing a work for God, playing an instrument, teaching a class, and the list goes on and on. So from the depth of my soul and my families, thank you.
to each and every one of you for all that you have done to help this ministry succeed in fulfilling the vision and the mission that God has called us to do. Thank you. Hallelujah. And then, uh, great things happen. Can you find Mark's Gospel chapter 8 and verse 6 while I'm saying this? Great things happen. What kind of things happen? Great things happen when? When we give thanks. Do you know that when Jesus gave thanks, great things happen? Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 6. Here's what it says. I have Luke's account in there, but we're going to skip over that. We're going to do it this way from, from Mark. It's the same thing, but he left the word thank out. He commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and what did he do? What did he do with the seven loaves? He gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them, and they did set them before the people. And what was their end result? Everybody ate from one lunch. The food was multiplied. Everybody was fed and filled, and there were baskets left over. But notice it was a result of his giving thanks to the Father. You see why he wants us to thank him every single day when we get out of bed? Thank God my feet can even hit the floor. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God I can walk. I thank God I can breathe. I thank you for another day of life that you've made for me to rejoice and be glad in. I lift my voice on high. I can speak so I'm lifting up my voice on high with gratitude, with thanksgiving to you for who you are. You brought me out. You brought me up. You lifted my spirits. You've made me whole. I'm praising you this morning. I'm thanking you this morning, Father God. You can say, well, yeah, you can do that because you're a preacher. Are you kidding me? Because I'm a preacher? What are you? You're a minister of the gospel. You have the ministry of reconciliation. God has saved you. God has delivered you. God has healed you. He's redeemed you. He's given you life. He's given you everything that you have. Breath. We all should pray. Let the, don't let the rocks and stones cry out. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for every single one of us. Hallelujah. Thank, it's when we thank Him that things begin to happen. I was thinking about thanking Him for a good singing voice. So I got, I got a lot of other things on my mind. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 11. Things happen. Hey, how about this? It was the bread of life who said thank you for the bread. It was the bread of life who said thank you for the fish. Right? Here in John's Gospel, chapter 11, you know the story, but we'll just read these verses. Jesus spoke and said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby, right? But then Lazarus died, didn't he? Then saith he unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, you'd see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Wait a minute. Did he who said those words say to the sea, thank you for hearing me, when he said, peace be still? Did he walk over to that tree that he cursed when he said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and say, thank you for listening to me? But when he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby, he said, I thank you that you heard me. Oh, I'll tell you what. You want to start thanking God for something? I thank you that you heard me. Now, 
let me qualify that. When you get up in the morning and you complain and it's another humdrum day and you're mourning and complaining and you're squawking and you're mocking and you're crying and you're doing all this stuff and life is miserable, I can't stand what I'm going through. Don't say thank you that you heard me. <laughs> say, Father, I pray you didn't hear any of that. <laughs> but listen... He who is the resurrection and the life, praise God. He said, I thank you that you heard me. Lazarus, come forth. Glory to God. I'm telling you, there's resurrection power with a thank you. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for giving me direction. Thank you for giving me wisdom. Thank you for power and fortitude. Thank you that I have the ability to serve you faithfully. The spirit of obedience rests upon Oh, can you say amen? Look at uh, chapter 22, verse 17 through 20. And if this doesn't just, just get to your heart, I don't know what will. This is a solemn moment in the life of Jesus. He takes the cup. He's about to end the Passover and, and start, begin what? The Lord's Supper, right? He took the cup. And what did he do? See, too often when we read this, yeah, he gave thanks for this. And then he gave thanks. Well, let's read it. He took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and he did what? Gave thanks and break it and gave it to them. Right? Saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the, the cup after supper saying, the cup is New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Okay. So, but what I was to see is this. He is the resurrection of the life and we know that. But now, you understand that he said on the cross, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. When he said thank you for the body and thank you for the blood, he was saying thank you for doing something that will be out of my control when I die on that cross. When I die on that cross, it's all about you, Father. It's all about you. I am pouring out my life as a drink offering as a sacrifice and once I pour myself out and I'm under your wrath I am in your control so Father I'm thanking you in advance for bringing me up I'm thanking you in advance for bringing me out my life is in your hands Father thank you and on the third day on the third day on the third day what did he hear my son, this day have I begotten thee. And by the glory of the Father, he was raised up from the dead. Because he said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He saw it done. You only say thank you when something's done. He saw it done. And what did he say? Thank you. Uh, section four. Are you ready for it? Thank you and praise you are the highest expressions of our faith in God. Did you know that? That's why groaning and moaning and complaining is the least. That's why he said, when you pray, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with 
thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I thank you. I will praise you for you heard me and you've become my salvation. I'm praising you in advance. I'm thanking you in advance. We're to get caught up with the thank you and the thank you and the thank you. Why? Because while we're thanking, God is working. While we're thanking, God is moving. While we're thanking, God is raising up workers, raising up helpers. He is sending down angels. He's doing whatever. He's orchestrating events. While we're saying thank you, thank you for 21 days, Daniel said, I know you heard me. I know you heard me. I know you heard me. And finally, after 21 days, an angel came down and just said, for the first day when you prayed, I was sent, but I was interfered with by this prince of Persia and all that. But I've come for your words, Daniel. I've come for your words. I'm glad you didn't stop saying thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As we continue to say thank you, instead of complaining about what's going on, the power of God is at work and in manifestation, and the glory of God begins to just manifest itself, and God completes the task on our behalf. Look in Psalm 107, beginning at verse 1, 1 and 2, I think I have there for you. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. But what do I, I've had people say this. Well, what do I got to give thanks to the Lord for? What's he done for me? Sit down. This is going to take a while. It's going to take a long while. And when I get done, I'm going to give you some of my tapes. CDs. Eight tracks. Cassettes. <laughs> oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For He is good. Isn't that enough right there? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your good, for your mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say what? Say what? The Lord is good. His mercies endure forever. Say it with me. The Lord is good. Your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercies endure forever. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Let's finish that verse, because I don't want to leave that last part out. Because you see, a song that was made up goes with this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his mercy... Okay, um... Let the redeemed the Lord say so. Let the, and what they're saying is let the redeemed the Lord say so. Say what? I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. That's okay. I'm, I have no problem with that. But what you're supposed to be saying is the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. And why am I saying that? Because he redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. That's why. He redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. So Lord, you are good. You are good. You are good. And your mercies endure forever. You redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. Have you been redeemed? you got a reason to give thanks unto the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord because He's good. And His mercies endure forever. Oh, thanks be to God. Okay, look at the next one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, or chapter 5, verse 18. Not for everything, but in everything. Big difference. I fell down and broke my ankle. I'm going to thank you for that. What? I wanted to eat at such and such place and I spent the night throwing up. But thank you, Lord. There must be some, some reason for it. No, he didn't say thank him for everything. 
He said, in everything, give thanks. In that situation, start thanking the Lord that I'm not thrown up anymore. In that situation, start thanking the Lord, praise God, for the answer, for the victory, for the deliverance, for the help. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is the will of God that I develop a thankful, grateful heart attitude toward Him for who He is and all that He's done. He is good, He's merciful. His mercies endure forever, and praise God, He is my helper. My rising up, my lying down, my coming in, my going out. It is the will of God. Look at the next one. It shows gratitude for the contributions He's made in our lives. What contributions? Colossians chapter 1. This is where we began this series in chapter 1. We did verses 9 and 10 from the New Living Translation that tells us that He wants us to walk pleasing unto Him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, right? That's what He wants us to do. But now he goes up and he says, giving thanks unto the Father. And notice these things he points out as reasons why we should give thanks to the Father. Which has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. When's the last time you said that? Thank you for giving me an inheritance among the saints in light. I have an inheritance. You're not excited enough yet. You have an inheritance. Maybe because I said I do. But now I'm telling you, you have an inheritance. You have inherited glory. You've inherited power. You've inherited the right to use the name above every other name in your everyday walk and life. You have that as a part of your inheritance by the blood of the Lamb. Okay? Inheritance. Who has delivered us. You have deliverance from the powers of darkness. Oh, hallelujah. Notice I said you this time. Not just me. I've been delivered, but you've been delivered from the authority, the power, the tyranny of the kingdom of darkness. You're no longer under the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness. He ripped you out from the miry clay. He picked you up. He put you in His kingdom, praise God. That's the next part. He translated us. Someone look at you and just say, what's the matter with you? I'm translated. What are you talking about? I'm translated. See, I was under the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness. I was under the thumbprint of the devil, but I've been brought out. I'm in the light. I've been delivered. I've been set free. I'm translated. I'm in the kingdom of Almighty God as a son, as a daughter of the Most High. Hallelujah. Notice, we're in the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have what? Redemption. Through His blood. We've got redemption. So now notice we've been brought, we have an inheritance. We've got deliverance. We've got translation. We now have redemption. That means we've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. He paid for each and every one of us to have a place in His eternal kingdom. Praise God. Even the forgiveness or the remission of sins. And that means all sin has been dealt with. It's been dumped in the sea of forgetfulness. In, under the blood of the Lamb. And you are whiter than snow. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. And let's close here with Psalm 100 and verses 4 and 5. See, we all have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Every single one of us. But have we taken the time to consider it all? And then have we taken the time to consider how I can be a blessing to somebody else? 
When you come up here every day, every service, and you use your instruments for the glory of God, you're making a contribution, praise God, to, to advance the kingdom of God right here in this locality. And also where you live, wherever you go. But you can make deposits anywhere and everywhere you go. You can make a contribution. You can help support these workers that we're talking about, that John talked about. You can help people like these traveling itinerants, just like uh, Sojourner Truth. Thank God for those that supported her work and ministry to help her to continue doing what she was doing. To get a voice out there, to get the word sown in the hearts of people. Hey, let's abolish slavery. It's not right in the eyes of Almighty God. Aren't you glad that this was a work of God and not a work of man? Hallelujah. It's the work of God. But notice this. Enter into his gates with what? With what? You sure that doesn't say murmuring and complaining? No, enter his gates with thanksgiving. If it was the other way around, it would be an easy thing to do, wouldn't it? With thanksgiving. Enter his courts with what? Praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? The Lord is good and his mercies endure for all generations. Hallelujah. He made us and not we ourselves, so we should thank him the way he made us. You've been fearfully, wonderfully made. You are his masterpiece. Can you say amen? You are his masterpiece. Someone says, I don't like the way I look. Well, look again. You're his masterpiece. Hallelujah. Look with a different eye. Be spiritually minded. Look beyond your flesh. Look into that mirror. You are God's masterpiece. Thank you, Lord, for making me so beautiful. Hallelujah. So handsome, so beautiful, so wonderful. I'm your workmanship. Hallelujah. Can I close this as we come up here to worship? We're going to do right here in worship, just where you see it. We need men and women like we just talked about in our society today that are really anointed and appointed and equipped by Almighty God to deal with everything that we're going through in our nation right now. Let it begin with you and 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 me. Let it begin with all of us. We lift up our hands in heaven and say, thank you, Father for dealing with everything in our society today. Things that are out of our control, but we know that are in your control. Things that you can orchestrate to see to it that your will prevails in the United States of America once again. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sounds and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, 
Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.